16 of the Redbox Report, the weekly movie podcast where we review the latest Blu-rays and DVD releases for Redbox. I'm your host, Bob Phelan. And I'm Joel Phelan. And this week, we'll be reviewing Interstellar, the newest Christopher Nolan movie starring Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, Jessica Chastain, and the list goes on. We'll also be dipping our toe into the prestige for the film club to go along with the Christopher Nolan theme. And we'll give a little review of the the Imitation Game, which was nominated for Best Picture as well. Yep. And our top five. And our top five for tonight, going with the theme of Christopher Nolan, is top five Christopher Nolan movies. <laughs> Makes sense to me. <laughs> I think it all adds up. Yeah. You know. But, yeah, so let's start it off with The Imitation Game, just because... Before we dive deep into Christopher Nolan yeah. his uh, filmography, we'll touch on this little gem. Uh, the Imitation Game was nominated for Best Picture, like I said. Benedict Cumberbatch was nominated for Best Actor. Keira Knightley was nominated for either Best Actress or Best Supporting Actress. I can't remember. So this movie came out for Redbox this past week. We thought we'd give it a little love since it was... It got so much awards attention. Yeah. Uh, I had seen it previous to Bob, and it gotten, you know, so many accolades for every throw it on the list, you know. Well, remind us what it's about. It's about um, Alan Turing, and during World War Two, the Germans used a code called Enigma that it was a code standard that every day reset. So... The whole thing was trying to break this code, but it reset every single day. And yeah. it's biopic. about Alan Turing building a machine. And Patented biopic based on true story. Yeah. Life's work. Alan Turing, genius. Apparently. Yeah, I mean, it's the basically, um, as far as I know, the first computer ever. It's, I mean, it was so far beyond his time, like people really couldn't grasp what he was yeah. doing but basically it's about like he's a genius but he's also maligned because he's gay in a time when that's not acceptable yeah, and like i wrote down in my notes it doesn't help that his personality isn't so great either like, yeah he's probably a nice guy but he's kind of anti-social and it's he's not like the nice guy neither he's his intelligence sort of like he doesn't understand how to be kind to people in a way social yeah. Well, expectation-wise, I wasn't really looking for... It wasn't like I was dying to watch the movie. It just seemed to me like a typical biopic. I mean, I don't know. Just to be a boring, slow-moving, yeah, decent movie. And I, I, was, I was definitely going to watch it at some point. I just wasn't out in a rush to watch it. But I did happen to watch it the week it came out for Redbox since I had a free rental and the time. <laughs> What about you going into it? I really, I mean, I had only kind of in the back of my mind briefly heard about it. I didn't really know what it was about or I was just looking for something to watch and stumbled upon it. Yeah. <laughs> and I probably wouldn't have like sought it out, sought out to watch it if I had known more about it. Like I probably would have eventually watched it, but. But I don't know. What do you I, think I, overall? Uh, it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's only saving grace is that it is a true story. 
And it it is kind of interesting, but it's it's boring. Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> um, it is boring. That's its biggest fault. I yeah. mean, it's so standard fare. Like, it hits all the basic beats of a biopic. You pretty much know how it's going to go as a general story arc. Yeah, it's a, it's very, very standard. But at the same time, it is an interesting story. And I actually think... I, I don't know who to blame. I, I guess the director? Because I feel like with a more creative director or writer, I don't know if it was the writing or the direction, but some combination. I feel like there is a great... was a great movie to be had here. Yeah, The movie needed more style, I think. Yeah. You know how some of these movies, they make up for that by like kind of showing the math happen and... Like yeah, or gradients or whatever. Something. We're not screenwriters. <laughs> we don't know the answers. <laughs> but it definitely wasn't this. Yeah, it's, it's like eating like a soup or something like that. And it's like, this is okay, but it's missing something crucial. You know? I feel like I could see where they're coming from. As in, they're thinking, this is just obviously a guess. But I'm thinking maybe they're thinking, um, this story is so interesting, so good, so crucial. We'll just put it... Pl- it's Plain, good enough to yeah. just let it be good on its own. Don't need to spruce it it's up. It's like anymore. white bread, really. But, <laughs> yeah. It's essential, but like... Eh. You gotta put some ketchup and mustard. It's just yeah. <laughs> I mean, and anyway, the story is interesting, but like I said, it was just so dull. Everything about it, like, not just the story was dull, or the way it was told, but the way the movie looked, it was even like drawn out. The color palette was yeah, really neutral. Everything was just one note. The acting wasn't horrible. It was just they were so damn no, no, boring. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Benedict Cumberbatch. I, he probably wouldn't have made my top five performances of the yeah, year. Yeah, I don't. But I can. I think he did a good job. Yeah, it was a kind of brave role, you know. Uh, the thing, Not in, like the guy's personal choices, but just the general topic or yeah. movie, you know. I uh, I did enjoy his performance, but there was just some things about his performance that I thought were a little off. Like, he does a good job with what is there. I don't know if he was the right man for the job. I totally agree with you. I, because yeah. he's, I know what he's trying to portray with how... You know, he's a jerk, but not even knowing he's a jerk. He's being literal. He's, you know, like when I ask him to go to lunch and he's being so dense about it. I didn't buy it. Yeah. Just because I feel like Benedict Coverbatch is such a suave, cool guy. Like, and it, it should, that came through too much. It just seemed like an act. Yeah, I agree with you. It's sort of that, uh, that indirect intelligence and charm that mm-hmm. he has. Like, it didn't applied the character very well. After uh, I started watching Sherlock a little bit, he kind of seems like that. he's being Sherlock kind of reversed. Yeah. Like, not as outspoken at all, but he's figuring it all in his head and he's going to embarrass this guy. Yeah. I don't know. Like, And, there, but at the same time, there were plenty of scenes where I thought he knocked it out of the park and did a great job. Yeah. It's just certain aspects of Alan Turing's personality, I didn't think... He was able to bring a yeah. I, I definitely think even the look of him just didn't really seem to match. Yeah, but Keira Knightley, the other performance that was uh, honored, I guess you could say, I she was good. She was. I mean, there was nothing special about yeah, her. Yeah, it was a good performance. She didn't Again, really have to be 
much of anybody, you know what I mean? She just yeah. had to be an intelligent, kind of sweet girl. Mm-hmm. I guess it kind of speaks more to Hollywood in general having a lack of female, good female roles and that this performance is up there with the best. Yeah, at the same time, I think it's the time period a little bit in her case. Like, it's kind of sharing that it's a little bit taboo still, like that she's even in the room. So it's sort of, she kind of works, she's on the team, but she's not, you know, Mm -hmm. like... I think that kind of limited her role as not directly being a part of the team, necessarily. Yeah. But I agree with you, though. Now, as for, like, the story, I guess it's how he's being held down because I feel like they're downplaying his gayness as being a factor. Yeah. I think I've read that, like, in real life, like, he wasn't even given any honor... Or any like ob like uh like he wasn't even what is the word I'm looking for uh, like, like uh, acknowledge acknowledge there yeah. you go that's the word but uh, part of that <laughs> Until is very recent is they didn't really convey this in the movie very well and that is a crying shame that was a total mistake but they didn't release the fact that they broke an enigma until thirty five years after mm-hmm. because they didn't want anybody to know that they could. It was top secret, so a big thing about that turning test and all is the fact that he had to withhold, and that's why he's telling that detective, you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. like he's telling that story, he had to withhold information about the war, which would have kind of helped him, but he did, he got the shit end of the stick, Yeah, I mean he eventually killed himself when he was on the hormone therapy thing. And they didn't show any of that, right? They don't show him kill himself or anything. They show at the end he's kind of sick and whatever, but yeah, it just really... I think there's maybe text at the end of the movie that just feels a little whitewashed. <clears throat> yeah, you know, like trying to clean smooth out the edges for Hollywood to try to appeal to more of the masses. Yeah, it definitely makes it seem like he was kind of heralded. A little mm-hmm. more than he was like it, like you said it wasn't until very recently that he was yeah. acknowledged as being crucial and... yeah but I mean the the relationships or the um, the, the enemies that he had uh, Tywin Lannister like yeah, some of the and, scenes uh, Michael Strong the bald guy yeah yeah Mark Strong Mark oh yeah yeah I'm and sorry. also the guy I wish I... Would. Uh, but his character, by the way, he is the real-life inspiration for M in Bond. Oh, yeah. I was reading. <laughs> the other guy that he's always... Uh, he's going on... Uh, is the other, guy, like, scientist. His last name is Good, I believe. I think he, he's from Watchmen. Uh, but anyway, like, some of the scenes where they're arguing back and forth was pretty good dialogue at times. Pretty yeah. good, sharp stuff where they're... Trying to make it just gets old after a little while because yeah. it's sort of the same thing. Like the first scene between him and Charles Dance, who plays Tywin, yeah. was like, yeah, okay. They're kind of going at each other but respect each other at the same time. But then when it's that every time they're talking. Yeah, you know, it gets played. It, the movie just gets so boring. Yeah. What like, about the flashbacks to when he was a kid in school? That kind of, uh, I yeah, that like, was actually a pretty interesting part of the movie, yeah, I thought. I feel like that was pretty effective. 
you really get a sense of maybe... Yeah, before anything's even hinted that he's uh, gay or whatever, they fly. And you sort of think it in the back of your head, but you don't think that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. But it was, I thought it was actually one of the better parts of the movies. I agree. Flashbacks. Especially, like, they like, nailed him under the floorboards. Like, yeah. that is terrifying. <laughs> and it kind of... I, you kind of see why he might have a chip on his shoulder now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, but at the same time, like, the fact that they make him so weird, I feel like that's kind of a crutch. I mean, yeah. maybe it's just true. Maybe that's just how it was. But I don't know. It just seems like they'll exaggerate certain things for effects. And that's... That's fine when it works, but in this case, it just didn't necessarily work. For yeah, I think it was so. more. They, I think he was probably just kind of an asshole, and they mm-hmm. just sort of were trying to, yeah, do his character a favor, you know. Yeah, I don't want to talk too bad about the movie, so I will say another thing was the actual Enigma machine was pretty cool. It's like some yeah. of the the way they showed how it worked and all that was pretty neat. I, I mean, think they said it was basically a real machine. It wasn't the actual Enigma. Mm-hmm. But they, they took, like, some plates off so you could see more of the parts. And Yeah, you could tell they put some work into that. I mean, that that was one of the better parts of the movie. I yeah, that, it was cool. But between this, the imitation game, and the theory of everything, I feel like they are <clears throat> one in the same. You can't mention one without mentioning the other. They're both biopic, one about Alan Turing, one about Stephen Hawking. <laughs> and I've recently seen them both. I prefer the theory of everything, but... Neither one is all that great. Yeah. Uh, I would give The Imitation Game five and a half out of ten. Yeah, I'd give it a six. It's and That's more out of respect for the, the story itself. Yeah, it's but. a good story. It's competently made. I mean, there's nothing, like, overtly bad or wrong about it. It's yeah. just right down the middle, you know. The only way I'd recommend watching it is if you just really hit a block and can't think of anything and it's available to you it's yeah. worth a watch but other than that it's yeah just read the wikipedia page about Alan Turing and yeah. you probably get kind of similar. more interesting <laughs> yeah but let's move on to at least what I would consider the bigger movie of this bunch Interstellar Chris, the latest movie from director Christopher Nolan I believe he was co-written between Christopher Nolan and his brother Jonathan the first movie of his that wasn't uh, shot by Wally Pfister, the cinematographer, because he went on to direct his own movies. So it was a question of how is this movie going to look? Is it going to look as good as Jonathan, uh, I mean, Christopher Nolan movies usually look? But we'll get into that in a little bit. The movie is about Matthew McConaughey. I guess it's said, what, like 50 years? Yeah, it was like fit, near future, 50 years. Yeah. Like an, another generation or something. Yeah, I think all the two. older and parent. All the grandparents and stuff are... It's like us. Or like, yeah, yeah, us. Because of the interviews mm-hmm. in the beginning, you know. But yeah, he is like an ex-NASA <coughs> pilot. But then NASA gets shut down because of this blight that has taken over the world. It's like... You can't really uh, harvest any crops. All this stuff is affecting the atmosphere. And basically they tell you right right away, like... The Earth has like three generations left. Yeah, it's or something like, like what that. What do they say? It's, Earth is eighty percent nitrogen, and we don't breathe nitrogen. Blight breathes nitrogen. Plants make oxygen. Blight eats plants. Yeah, 
basically it's a slow and painful death coming yeah, for all humanity. First you starve, and who doesn't starve will suffocate. Yeah. <laughs> so Matthew McConaughey eventually stumbles upon it, oh, his way into this team of astronauts to go into outer space and try to save the world, basically, <laughs> yeah. to try to find a planet that is habitable for humanity to move to, or yeah, for us along to those away. lines. <laughs> now, my expectations for this were through the roof, because I believe, I can't remember if it was our top five for 2014 movies in general, or just the fall season, but it was my number one um, on that list. I didn't have, ex like, that far... I, I didn't hear about it a whole lot until it was about to come out. Mm -hmm. Then I was, I've been pumped to see it. But I have heard a lot of mixed reviews from people that I know. It seems yeah. that people either were blown away by it or I've heard a lot of people saying I, I watched three hours and I don't know what happened, which I don't <laughs> understand. But Yeah, um, I'm just a huge Christopher Nolan fan. Like, yeah. One of my favorite directors by far. I mean, we'll get to his top five, but he's got a great filmography. And the fact that this was a sci-fi movie, like, going big or, or going home, yeah. basically. Like, he's got this great cast lined up. Jessica, Jessica Chastain, my favorite actress right now. Matthew McConaughey on such a role with True Detective and all the movies that he's been knocking out of the park lately. I was just extremely excited to see what he could do. <laughs> Gravity. I loved Gravity from the year before. I thought he's going to even one up Gravity, which was one of my favorite movies in a long time. Uh, I yeah. don't know. My, I'm. I feel like I was in the bag for Christopher Nolan. You know what I mean? Yeah, I. I love what the whole topic is like on the mm -hmm. astronomy part, and that is based on some science and science that we can't really see right now. So I mean that. That had me right there. Yeah. Even before I... It's Christopher Nolan. Going to be a good movie. Great <laughs> cast. Yeah. I mean... But anyway, you said you watched it twice this week. Yeah. Does that mean you hated it or you loved it? Oh, I, I really... I even liked... I liked it more the second time around. The you first really? time, I, I really, really enjoyed it, but I was kind of lost in some of... The multiple storylines that got a little bit twisted down there. So I rewatched it and realized it's more relevant than I initially felt the first time. Mm -hmm. there, there's a lot to take. It's ten minutes away from me in a full three hour movie. Yeah, it's a long movie. That's for sure. I mean, it's, it's like forty five minutes of build up. Like you know, the opening scenes you normally see in movies that just get you going. Like it's yeah. forty minutes of that. <laughs> yeah, for me. It's not a perfect movie by any stretch of no, the imagination. I actually not. have more issues than I would for a movie that I'm giving such a high rating as we'll get to. But for some reason, I just I I won't say I loved it, but I really really liked it. Yeah, and it's weird because I I've heard the complaints and I've seen some of the bad reviews and all that. And I get it. Like, some of the arguments that they've had, I'm like, yeah, I can see that. But at the same time, it didn't matter for me because the stuff that I liked about it outweighed the stuff that that would be nitpicky. Like, yeah. And and that is the beauty of Christopher Nolan because 
I've actually listened to people talk about how they don't like the Dark Knight because of this nitpick, and this, it doesn't make sense. But for some reason, he has a way, at least for me, of like, you don't care about these little things. I don't even know how, why or how he does it, because if another director made this movie, I, I might cling on to these, but I'm just enjoying the rest of what he is doing right, that it kind of takes away. I feel like his movies, even though a lot of people do really, really like his movies, it's like every movie has these two, uh, what do you call them, like uh, groups of people that you're aiming at, like uh, like demos. Right. So it's like these two demographics that, for whatever reason, are kind of intertwined in this movie, and he finds this like little spot where both of them find like fall in love with the movie and then the other ones are just interested enough to watch it and maybe like it mm-hmm. but they have these nitpicks about one or the other right that's, I don't know that's the way I feel about his movies it's like yeah. just saying like the love story aspect along with like a science movie or whatever you know, like an ins- I don't know what you'd call Inception but that's probably science for science yeah. yeah you know what I mean <clears throat> Yeah, he does have a rabid, like, uh, people, when people love his movies, they love it, and they'll defend and attack people for going against it, and then he has people that just don't like what he's doing. Yeah, or just, like, don't think much of him, like, not that they hate movies, but Mm -hmm. they're just like, I don't see what people were so in love with. Yeah. I mean, I'm one of those huge fans, but, I mean, I'm not to the point of, like, everything he does is perfect, but... That's but, sort of what I like about his movies, though, is they are kind of flawed, and it makes you think, and mm-hmm. but no matter, inadvertently. Yeah. No matter what you think about him or his movies, you have to give it to him that he is one of the few directors that is a recognizable name. Yeah. To the, the masses. Like, you have Steven Spielberg, Quentin Tarantino, Christopher Nolan. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's up, maybe he's not to that those guys' levels yet, but he is up there. And that's kind of... He's basically crazy. a household name. You know? Yeah. And who would have thought that, like, <laughs> five or Moon six years ago? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, all right, let's get into the movie. Like you said, the first 45 minutes, the build-up, some of my favorite stuff, actually. Yeah, but it's just, it's a long time. Yeah, I actually appreciate the length of this movie. Yeah, it is I long. think it really does f- work well for it. You feel the length, and it does drag at certain parts, more so later on for me. But yeah, I didn't... I welcomed it. It was just... I don't know. It was... Uh, it's just... It's, you settle into it. Yeah. It, it gets it you settled just, and ready. It doesn't... doesn't rush into the plot. doesn't rush into getting to the special effects. You actually... Build a, a working relationship with these characters. You see where they're coming from. Felt like it was very effective in getting across what is wrong on Earth before they leave it to go try to fix it. Yeah, I, I loved the approach, and it even built a lot with his daughter. Which, in one way, the story it's not really that incorporated or even important, and in another, it's kind of the whole part of yeah. the story. But I just I don't know. I really appreciate. The second time around, I realized how much, how important that build-up was, more so than the first time. Yeah. It really gets across, like, this is, all they have left is corn, 
I don't know. It's just such an ambitious movie. And yeah. that's what I love about it. I mean, he is going for some shit here. I mean, I think it's pretty smart and realistic that this could be a way that... I mean, I don't know about necessarily realistic, but something along these lines. Like a slow... It wouldn't necessarily be, oh, we got hit by an asteroid, it's over. <laughs> yeah. I think the more likely scenario is something happens where resources dwindle and dwindle, you know. Yeah, when I uh, rented this movie digitally there were some reviews off to the side like thing like lines and it said uh Christopher Nolan went to infinity and beyond when going to infinity would have been plenty <laughs> yeah. which he didn't give a, I don't think that particular person gave a great review but I think they respected it at least mm-hmm. but I thought that was a good way of putting it that is a good, really yeah. what happens in the movie it's, yeah Absolutely. I mean, this would have been plenty, and then they went that far. You know, mm-hmm. I thought the movie looks great. Like one of the best looking movies. Not I've even seen. just, of course, the outer space stuff and the other planets looks incredible. But even in the beginning, when it's on Earth, and the way they're showing these dust particles that are con- they have to have their plates look yeah, upside down at all times. With like the um, the drone, yeah, chasing that. That's yep. cool. Really cool. It just has a great look and feel. So I guess Wally Fister, sorry, they don't miss you, but <laughs> I mean, great like I was visuals, saying, great when they're by the um, wormhole or the, mm-hmm. whatever the in the Hulk black hole or whatever. Yeah. They through making the CGI, they made like a couple scientific discoveries of how light bends and how it would look. Like real scientific discoveries is pretty freaking crazy. Yeah, I mean, apparently he used as much real science as he could while making a good, entertaining movie at yeah, the same it's, time. Uh, the Lord of the Rings CGI equipment and some, uh, it's equivalent of like MIT or something like that, like a program they have for physics. Yeah. So, it's pretty cool. And Sp- I just was talking about Steven Spielberg a couple minutes ago. This, especially the first 45 minutes, like we keep saying, it has a Spielberg feel almost. It does. It's a very... father and daughter, you know. If he was a younger man in these days, I feel like this is what Spielberg Could have been him. Yeah. And you know what? I I feel like maybe Spielberg was attached to direct this movie, and then he came off and Nolan took over. It could be remembering it wrong but I'm pretty sure that might be accurate I can definitely see it because yeah like the scene when he's saying goodbye to his daughter that was kind of brutal I felt that you know with the daughter myself I was like oof that is tough toodles and I just love some of these ideas that he has like they're at a baseball game and it looks just like a pickup minor league baseball game or something. Yeah, and then they pan Yankees. up and it says, the world famous New York Yankees. <laughs> it's like, wow, that is what baseball has come to. Um, let's see. The great score. That's That was one of my favorite Oh, yeah. Uh, I was going to say the music is maybe my favorite part of the yeah, movie. It Close really special effects. sets the tone very well. One thing I noticed about all my things is a lot of these themes and points can be pluses or minuses for the movie. Uh, Like, for instance, the planets are cool, but at the same time, 
Really? I, I mean, I thought everything. they were really cool, but it's like uh, they should have spent more time on some of them or almost none at all. Hmm. I, my, one of my favorite parts in the whole movie is when they're on Gargantua, the water planet. Yeah, but like the way I felt about that is they went to get this beacon or whatever. It didn't work out. Like, I don't know. I just felt like they would have known from going in on top that there were waves first off. And second, I thought they were going to look more into like things like that. Like, there was this whole planet of water, and they got no information about it and left, assuming it was well, uninhabitable. I just love the idea of a planet where one hour in that environment is seven years back on Earth. Oh, yeah. Like, I did. I thought the planet was cool, but I just thought in terms of the whole big, long movie, it was like... They didn't really look very much into that planet. They're looking for a habitable planet. It's because they knew how much time was going by with every minute that they had. To well, do. yeah, I understand that, but it's just I, don't know. I thought some of the things were just slightly overlooked. About like again, like I love this movie, but it wasn't perfect. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like. Yeah, yeah. And especially at this portion of the movie, there's a lot of really cool things, but some of it's really drawn out or yeah. Well, even back to Gargantua, like I like the idea that they sh you would think that they would have known that like they kept getting that distress call because it had been what was it five minutes since it landed on the planet, uh, but this yeah. distress that meant the distress call was going on for like a year out <laughs> there, you know. I I thought that was really cool. Then the tidal wave was one. I wish oh I would. Oh my god, that was cool. I wish I would have seen it in IMAX. <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, I think that's going to be one of those like famous scenes of movies, mm -hmm. like looking back at a that wall <laughs> yeah. of water. And then the ice planet. I thought that looked great visually. I thought it looked. Cool. I thought that was much less interesting than it was. Than, uh, that one I could see they were there a little bit too long. And yeah, they were there long and. Nothing against him, but I thought Matt Damon's character could have basically not existed. It wouldn't have really affected the movie. Yeah. Because um, he essentially doesn't add anything to it. They just go down there and he... I don't know, I'm not trying to spoil it too much, but... And then they leave, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know why it was Matt Damon in that part. Yeah, I just... I think that was my least was favorite kind of distracting part about the whole movie, but I mean, if that's the worst thing, then yeah. But I did like how the clouds were frozen on that place. Oh yeah, the, uh, were they on a cloud? Like I didn't understand yeah, that. They kept talking know. about the surface. I don't know. Yeah, I, it was interesting, and I like how they had to make a Sophie's choice about which planet we only have enough time to check out one yeah. of the two. Like. The fact that they were forced to make a decision I thought was pretty cool. That's why Anne Hathaway's character was very flawed. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't she? One of my least she was supposed favorite to be extremely parts. smart, but I mean she was smart, but she wasn't smart at making decisions, generally no. speaking. She was so emotionally controlled. Yeah. Speaking of her, we should get into the uh the crew that was on the ship. Oh yeah. Uh Anne Hathaway it's not a secret on this podcast that I don't like her, <laughs> but I think she's a good actress. And I don't know. I, she wasn't great for me. I do think she's a better actress than, or she thinks she's a better actress than she is, but 
she is a great actress. So. Yeah. But here, I didn't think she was all that great. Nah. Um, who was the other, the other guy? Uh, the one, the one guy uh, for the girls on the, the water planet with them. He was okay, I guess. Yeah. I really like the black guy that stayed on the ship. Was it Rem or something like that? Or? I can't remember. Something like that. With the black guy that stayed on the ship when they went to the water planet? Yeah. That was crazy. <laughs> they so come old. back, he's got gray hair. <laughs> it has been uh, 23 years <laughs> he was waiting for them. That yeah, was they insane. should have made a little more evident that they would have messed him up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was freaking crazy. <laughs> but, uh, Oh, I also love small thing, but how when they first leave or they first start doing this thing where they're spinning around, the guy's like, uh, yeah. gonna, "I need some drama." I mean, I just <laughs> thought that was a kind of creative idea. Like you don't think, but yeah, if you're motion sickness, you're definitely gonna need some of that <laughs> yeah. out in space. I put a uh, tar should have won Oscar for best lead robot in case he... should have got best supporter. <laughs> Tars is my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, I thought the, they were awesome. What great <coughs> design. And I love that it's not just a CGI thing. It's obviously yeah, it's a real practical life. effects, obviously mixed with some CGI, I'm sure, but pretty awesome. That's what I liked about this uh, Antonio Banderas movie. It's pretty recent. What was it called? Machina or something like that? I think, yeah. They got like pretty bad reviews, but they used like, real robots, and it looked amazing. One of those extremely flawed movies right. that's got a nugget of like gold <laughs> yeah. in it. But. But yeah, Tars. Another thing, Christopher Nolan movies don't tend to have too much uh, humor in them. Yeah, but and he. Tars really brought it. I mean, he was <laughs> hilarious. He had a. Uh, and it helped the movie a lot, yeah. I thought. Yeah. He, he was great. The humor setting. Yeah. Why don't you dial it down? And the sarcasm meter or whatever it was. Yeah, the, but at the end was the best one when he's doing it. 65. Yeah. yeah. And then he cracks a joke and then he puts it down again. Yeah. 50. Or 60. We're making 55. <laughs> yeah. And. Yeah. The and what was the other one? one? Case? Case, yeah. I mean, he was, that was a weird how they brought him into the. Show. They don't I didn't really even realize. Him. I didn't realize he was I thought there. it was just Tars, and then all of a sudden there was another one. Yeah, it wasn't until like very late in the movie that I realized he was a different. Mm -hmm. when he, the part that got me was he says, uh, Tar speaks enough for the both of us. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Another one of my favorite parts that actually goes along with the Gargantua water planet was when they come back and they realize how much time has gone by. And they have like 20 video messages, or however many video messages yeah. that are just built up. Three hours for them, 23 years for for the, for Earth. <laughs> and he's literally watching his kids grow up as these messages are going. Like, that was effective. Yeah, that was... That really was like one of the best scenes in the movie, I thought. And it really... Uh, and that's how, at that point, they kind of shift focus back to his daughter as an adult. Trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. That's, what, that's was, what I meant. Like, it's sort of not important. And then mm -hmm. it, all of a sudden, it, it, it is the movie. Focus shift goes back to Earth with what uh, Jessica Chastain is doing and Casey Affleck, her son and daughter. Uh, Jessica Chastain, like I said, one of my favorite actresses by far. Yeah, I thought she did a great job in this movie. She was well. really good in here. Um, there was a lot for her to do. Uh, 
If you're gonna trim some of the three hour runtime, I feel like it's some of this stuff. Because I don't know, I just preferred more of going with, with Matthew McConaughey on his journey. Yeah. And maybe like the Matt Damon thing, maybe they could have just trimmed it and I, it would have been more interesting to me. But yeah. I just thought it was really drawn out. And... I heard, yeah, I heard someone else say uh, on a podcast that it would have been really cool if you never go back to Earth. All you get, you just get more video messages, like, yeah. to communicate it that way. I don't know. I might have enjoyed that better, but, I mean, it wasn't bad. I just wish they would have found somebody, like, interesting that was going to help them out or something. Mm -hmm. I just thought that would have been cool, like, finding a character that's been on a planet for all these years right. or whatever. But Yeah, absolutely. Let's see. As far as what wasn't that great, I would say... The dialogue is a little bit clunky at times. It's kind of, I don't know, on the nose, so to say, so to speak. At, for, uh, not always. Some of it was fine, but at times I'm like, really? Yeah, like like I was telling you before we started, I used like a kind of five-point system to check my score for this movie. And the script dialogue was the lowest yeah. score I gave but that's what that's what I was trying to check is I thought that might have kind of been it's Achilles heel but I averaged it all out and it was about the same what I initially yeah um, I feel like the dialogue's not great but it's made up for with um, the, the monologues and the some of the conversations it's like mostly just exposition just trying to tell you what's going on and explain yeah. everything, but they do it in a way that is interesting. It's not just like a a normal exposition, <laughs> exposition, you know. That I put that down as I liked how they explain the science and how things work, rather than like you know how like movies cheesily like like the bad guy is saying step for step his plan or. Mm. out loud while he's doing it or something like that like I yeah. like how they did it with conversations and... it's another Christopher Nolan thing because in Inception they do it a lot too yeah where they're explaining to another character but really they're explaining to the to audience you, yeah. yeah and it makes it makes sense to me um yeah uh I don't know we shouldn't get too much into the third act yeah it's kind of hard going much farther without I guess you could just say there's a wormhole, and it kind of goes from there. Yeah. What did you think, though, of like how the final act was? I, was, I didn't see it really going that particular way, but yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. Like Some of my biggest issues were towards the end of the movie, but there, there was plenty of stuff that I liked, too. I, I just... Liked, uh, I don't know. I liked the design of the wormhole. Yeah. The visual aspect of it. See, some of my biggest issues I had, I can't even talk about because it kind of would be a spoiler. It is nitpicky stuff, though, so... All I could say is, without giving too much away, is it kind of deals with science that's very much a theory. More So it's almost like a supernaturally kind of natural feeling for you. Mm -hmm. the, some of the things you're talking about, but... I think maybe in the future, 
when we make more discoveries, it, it'll be something we look back upon and kind of like, what, this first person to do something like that. But I think they did the best they could with what the direction they were going. Yeah. For the most part. And like I said, the ambition kind of got in the way. Of yeah, it's, it's very, very ambitious yeah. too. So. Yeah. And I admire that. That's actually one of the things I like the most is it's like. It's a brave, brave movie. And you're. At least for me, I'm on the edge of my seat. Like, man, what is he going to try to do next? Yeah, where is this going? That's what I was thinking the entire. <laughs> you know, movie. like that's part of the excitement is where is this going? What is he trying to do? Like, that was pretty cool. Um, the thing about love that was kind of a problem yeah. for me. Yeah, I thought uh, that was the biggest problem with the actual story. Yeah. Um, so much of it was so scientific and all, and then they tried to like say love transcends dimensions like yeah. gravity I mean I like the sentiment but it just felt out of place yeah I mean love is a natural thing like it happens to basically everyone so I understand it being in the story somewhat yeah. but it was a little overdone like I said it was on the nose a little heavy handed and I don't know I did uh, one thing I did write down is I felt like this movie was a movie that had all its deleted scenes yeah, you know I mean? <laughs> kind of did feel that way. And that was a plus or minus because I just felt like it was so drawn out that it might have lost people that were on the edge, mm -hmm. and but people that loved it ate it up probably. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, just real quick, I just want to say I liked how the doc there was some documentary aspects, especially in the very beginning and at the very end. Thought that was pretty creative and good. Oh yeah. yeah. Sound design. Really enjoyed how you silence at certain times. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. what my dad was watching with me, and that's what he said he liked. Yeah. He's like, I like how it's silent space. Yeah. And basically, I just felt like it was an enjoyable journey more than just an yeah. actual movie. And the music taking you along the way. I loved how they used an organ rather than like a synthesizer like they used for a lot of space movies and stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, one last thing we got to get. I've heard complaints about this. I want to see if this bothered you. So the idea, it's a pretty awesome idea that, or an interesting idea that you're, you leave when your kids are young, and then, like, they out age yeah. you, they outgrow you, or whatever. But then he, when he kind of makes contact on the way back, it seems like all he cares about is his daughter. And his son, Casey Affleck, is kind of just yeah. done, forgotten, you know? Uh, I think it's maybe just the father-son aspect. It's a little bit more... He seemed a little more professional with his son, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, he seemed to trust him. Yeah, and I don't know if maybe that is when some stuff had been cut out of the movie. Yeah, just oh, because yeah, they seem be. to think, like, this is a three-hour movie... He the, could have been the central, dead yeah, for a while right. at that point. The central relationship that we're showing in the movie is between the father and the daughter, so we'll focus on that. So I, it didn't bother me too much, but yeah, I, it didn't bother me. Much. I see what people are saying. About it. And Coffin, he probably was right. You know, but yeah, there was that interesting element where Jessica Chastain is like, "Dude, you're killing your family here. We gotta, we gotta move on." And he's like, "It's like one of those." Uh, Natural disaster movies where the old people don't want to leave their hair. Yeah. Like, she has to burn down his crops to try to 
Yeah, it's one of those situations where, like, the smart person's looked at is mm-hmm. the person who just wants to be different or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But, all right, what would you give it? Uh, all right, I'm going to... I'm gonna go with the eight and a half. A really heavy eight and a half. I agree. I wanted to give it a nine, but same here. Just too many little flaws. <laughs> same exact feelings right here. I got a heavy eight and a half. Wanted so badly to go higher, but it just I didn't feel right doing it. Yeah, uh, eight point eight was my scientific <laughs> rating. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I would highly recommend it if you're a fan of. Space or science fiction or Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Check it out. The problems that we had might be more of a problem for you and you might not like it as much. But no matter what, it is worth seeing for the crazy, ambitious ideas to learn. Like, Absolutely. It's a great visuals. watch. Yeah. Uh, clear your schedule, though. It's three hours <laughs> yeah. long. Especially if you're going to watch it twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In well, 24 hours. <laughs> That's like half of the... No, it's not. Um... All right, let's move on to the film club where we're going to talk about The Prestige. This is the highly acclaimed movie by Christopher Nolan that you hadn't seen. Yeah. So we're going to get you caught up. Um, This movie is about Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale as competing magicians. And basically it's just a game of one-upsmanship as they kind of go back and forth trying to outdo each other. And then there's twists and turns, of course. Yeah. Michael Caine is also involved. Scarlett Johansson. Good cast. Yeah. Uh, I like the time period. Yep. So, like, early 1900s, late 1800s, something like that. So, you can really... It makes sense, because then magic could seem more of a real thing to those people. Yeah. But, uh... Expectations. I mean, had you heard of it? Uh, No, I haven't heard about it at all, honestly. Wow. Actually, I was reading that particular year had three movies that came out about 2006. Yeah, um, The Illusionist and uh, the Hopper. Yeah, something like that. One word. It was something with one word. Yeah, yeah I and one of them, but had Scarlett Johansson and Hugh Jackman, right? Yeah, the that's the Prestige. The, well, the, there was a second. Oh. two of the three movies he was in. Really? Yeah. No. The Illusionist was Edward Norton and. Uh, Jessica Biel. I didn't really like that movie that much. But I did love The Prestige. <laughs> what did you think of it? I, I liked I enjoyed it. Um, I didn't love it. But uh, definitely above average. Mm-hmm. I generally rate it. Um, I thought it was a little boring at times. Not super... Uh, boring is probably not the right word. Uh, I just thought the one-upping got a little... They could wrap that up a little bit really? quicker. Okay. But uh, it kind of nitpicked, though. Mm-hmm. I, it was still a good watch you know, the whole way through, pretty much. Yeah. See, for me, when uh, I've probably seen the movie two or three times now. I saw it when it first came out, and I absolutely loved it. Saw it again last year or the year before that. And it came down a little bit, but I still really enjoyed the movie. I just feel like it's a really fun movie about competition about I don't know I just I thought it had a lot of good uh, ideas to it yeah I, I enjoyed it I, uh, about like I said I can't even put my finger on why I didn't love the movie but 
I don't know. Hey, like, it could be a second watch type movie for me. Yeah. But. I like the ideas of how fame, hunger, hunger for that fame. Yeah. Like Hugh Jackman, he gets pissed because at one point someone else is on stage and he's under the stage when the crowd goes wild and he's like man nah, that needs to be that, me yeah, that needs to be me yeah and he makes mistakes and and or makes ambitious uh advancements just purely based on that and trying to be better than christian bale's character i like how in all the parts of the movies when you think that one person has the upper hand the other person secretly yeah is kind of playing them yeah it is a twisty movie. There's a bunch of twists, and I felt like they were all pretty creative. Yeah, I mean, they weren't at Shutter Island, but they were... Uh... <laughs> oh, we are in spoilers, so I guess I could say, like, I think it's amazing, the Christian Bale twist, where they're twins. Yeah. And literally living only half a life each, and, like, the one guy loses his fingers in the gunshot, oh, so the other guy has to chop his fingers off. Just to match. I gotta admit, Insight. I figured it out right before... They revealed it? Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I didn't actually figure it out. It was just my most logical guess. Yeah. For when it started getting really weird in those terms. Mm-hmm. But uh, Hugh Jackman's character was just a fucking jackass. Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, he goes to David Bowie playing Nicholas Tesla. And, like... That was the kind of one of my least favorite parts. I didn't. I, I thought Tesla was going to have this really much. I just around. felt like it was all about illusion and then it kind of magical there. Like, why yeah. is there real magic? You know, that was the kind of thing that kind of bugged me, but I just went with it. But Hugh Jackman gets this machine where he makes literal clones of himself, and he's drowning them. Or right, he's drowning them. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of sadistic. I kind of like that. I, but. Yeah, I didn't under... I kept trying to figure out, like, for that clone, that thing, like, how is this not real? Mm-hmm. Or whatever in that movie. And I was just... Yeah, I gotta say that was my least favorite yeah. part about the entire story. Although, it's almost worth it where at the end, when uh, he burns the house down, or the mansion down, and it's, like, such a cool shot with all these tanks of drowned Hugh Jackman's burning uh, yeah, yeah. that was pretty awesome um, I do kind of like how in a, Michael Caine is like the narrator and he's he's a good decent character yeah. I haven't seen it in a while but um, I like how in the beginning he's telling you there's the pledge then there's the re- was it the second uh, part I have it actually written down the pledge the pledge was first and the prestige was last yeah. is it the reveal or the it's either the reveal or the he says it's the pledge where you're presented with something ordinary the pledge the turn the the prestige where the ordinary becomes extraordinary and then the prestige where the ordinariness comes back or whatever yeah basically like the simpler way to put it is making someone disappear isn't enough you gotta make make them come back and I like how the structure of that magic trick is also kind of the structure of the movie as a whole. Yeah. That was kind of cool. Uh, that was cool. And I didn't, uh, it didn't dawn on me until yeah. after I watched it. I was yeah. like, oh, that, that's cool. It was a structure it, of a It kind of makes sense from both sides, you know. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. Creative movie. 
Do you, uh, do you know who the guy was when he goes to Tesla's the first time? He opens the gate. Do you know who that actor was? I don't know. He played Smeagol in uh, Lord, of the, Lord of the Rings in the flashback. Uh, the guy that always does like the motion capture stuff? Not the motion capture guy. He plays Smeagol oh, before okay. he is uh, Gollum. It wasn't the same guy? It was, I don't I don't know if it was not to be completely honest with you. I just yeah. I don't know why I instantly recognized <laughs> him. I guess I've watched Lord of the Rings fairly yeah. recently. Like I said, last time I saw it was probably a year ago. Yeah. But for some reason I have a really good memory of this movie. Yeah, I, I have uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um I don't really have, you got anything else? Yeah, uh, not really. Okay. Uh, I give it a solid eight out of ten. I went seven and a half. Gotcha. Like I said, I, I did very much enjoy it, but something about it I had didn't quite put together with. It happens, absolutely. Uh, but it was good to catch up because we're about to do our top five Christopher Nolan directed movies. Oh yeah. Um I'll kick it off with my number five, The Prestige. And I, I was the same. <laughs> I actually was battling back and forth between four and five, but the more I thought about my number four, the more I realized it had to be Interstellar. <laughs> Interstellar's your number four? Yes. Oh, like Dark Knight Rises. Okay. Thoughts on the movie? Um, I thought it was just slightly worse, or not worse isn't a good word. It wasn't quite as good as uh, Dark Knight, but... I would put one it... One of my favorite superhero movies. The Batmans? Yeah. Um, yeah, I enjoy all of them. The Dark Knight Rises is probably my least favorite of the trilogy. Really? Yeah, but still a lot to enjoy. Batman Begins is probably my, would be my number six. If gotcha. It yeah, me too, actually. But um, I would have Batman Begins six, Dark Knight Rises seven. Again, there's some awesome stuff. Like some of the best stuff he's done is in that movie. But I, it's kind of like Interstellar where... It's it, not a perfect movie, but this more so the flaws kind of caught up. With yeah, I, I just think I liked Bane. Bane was awesome. Tom enough Murray's to incredible. make up for some of the. I love stuff that the opening sequence with the plane yeah. is amazing. The initial fight between Bane and Batman is just brutal and awesome. I just thought it was like real evil for once. Like it wasn't yeah. like a trick, or it was just literally. There's just. Off. Fuck for me, up. yeah. <laughs> the thing for me was like, there's too much of this stuff where he, Chris, uh, Christian Bale, uh, Bruce Wayne hurts his knee, he puts on a brace, and all of a sudden he can do backflips. And, yeah. Or he breaks his back, some guy like Pops punches him in the back and he's fixed. Like, it was too much stuff like that for me. Yeah. But still a good movie. Uh, my number three is Memento. Okay, I, I've never seen the whole movie all the way through. So yeah, I, I remember we talked about it on a recent episode. Um, still, I, I think the same of it. I think it's a great, interesting, uh, structured movie. Uh, again, he likes to do these things where the effect that's happening to the characters in the movie is kind of happening to the audience as well. And I, I kind of enjoy that where the guy doesn't have his memory. And you're kind of getting it piecemeal too as yeah. he's relearning it. And you're kind of solving it along with the, yeah. the character. Just a good, really good movie for me. Uh, my number three is The Dark Knight. Alright, cool. Uh, <laughs> the Jack best Dirt. of the bunch. Yeah, I think so. 
That's the one with the cherry cream on, right? Yep. Yeah, Dark Knight. Heath Ledger? Yeah, I thought it was uh, one of the stronger comic movies. Or I would agree. Especially about the big superheroes. Like, uh, I have a soft spot for, like, Watchmen. And yeah. Series. My number two would be Inception. Inception? Yeah. It's just... What... Talk, this is where it all comes together for him for me. It's an original idea. Maybe not 100%. I'm sure he got things from other places. Yeah, probably. It's an original movie. Incredible cast. Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hardy, John, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, such a creative idea. Ambition, again. He goes for it. Not perfect, still, but so close to perfect. To yeah, me. Like, really this is... is not as big an idea as this inner space travel to save the world, but just awesome, awesome and stuff. And it's explained well enough that you almost would think it's real, mm-hmm. you know? I feel like the only thing was that the last level, the snow level for me, yeah. was a little lacking in creativity, because every other one was so original. And, and it started losing you a little bit on Yeah, but that, then it but... Came, came back together in the end. I love the ending. Love yeah, that yeah. Ambi- ambiguous ending where... Is it going to drop or is it, you know, just fantastic. One of my favorite movies of all time. I completely agree with you. It's, wow, my number two is Interstellar. Yeah, all we, right. We just went over it. I, I really, really enjoyed it. I think I'm going to like it more as time goes by. And I think yeah, it's going to be one of those movies you look back on. And You'll probably remember the good more, more than the bad. Yeah. Yeah, my number one is The Dark Knight. Nice. Um, I think it's probably top three superhero movies of all time pretty close to perfect in my opinion the joker best villain perhaps I, and i i don't even like to say it because everybody's yeah you but know? i mean he really did he, he it's he, that good you know he had the performances of his career of his life no matter if yeah. he was still alive i guarantee yeah. it would still be the best performance just love the dichotomy between the Joker and Batman and the only slightly lesser part for me is when they go to Hong Kong and there's some sequences there that just feel kind of out of place but yeah yeah I wish they would have gotten rid of some of that and just had more about the Joker or even just take some of that out and don't rush through Two-Face at the very end yeah you know I would have liked to maybe see because I thought Aaron Eckert did a great job as Two-Face and but still such a yeah, great I movie. He's in the movie. I think it's probably uh, in my top twenty of all-time favorite movies. It's so rewatchable. I mean, if it's on, I'm watching it because it's yeah, it is so many fantastic scenes. The pencil trick, it's it's great. Yeah, it is one of those movies you can watch a lot. Uh, my number one's Inception. It's one of my favorite movies to come out in a long time. Yeah, yeah, I, and I even I unfortunately watched it to death. Because it was actually one of those real big movies that became really available. It was right, on, right. on demand and this and that. and It's pretty cheap to buy. I think you can get it for like 10 bucks. Yeah, I own it. <laughs> so, I mean, it was extremely in my face. So, I mean, I watched it and watched it and watched it to the point where I couldn't anymore. Yeah. But I still love the movie. <laughs> I remember a couple weeks ago I was over... Uh, your house and your dad was like have you heard of this movie it's so bizarre idea like this guy's going into dreams <laughs> like inception 
Are you kidding me? Of course I've heard, <laughs> I've heard of it. It's so like the best well. movie of 2008 or 2010 or whatever it came out. <laughs> yeah, so weird. I never heard of it. <laughs> so cool. And I love, I'm a big fan of like daydreaming. And yeah, I like I the have, um, idea of getting into dreams and what they mean. I didn't really realize this was a thing, but I have kind of like continuous dreams. A few series of dreams that keep continuing. They don't necessarily continue like an episode to episode thing, but there's themes that Recurring. something that happened before is remembered and it's yeah. pretty wild. And every so often I have like kind of lucid dreams where I, I kind of realize I'm dreaming. There's it's not like, like Inception. But yeah. But those are awesome. Yeah. I've had a, a few of those myself. I just love the idea of the science behind dreams. Yeah, it's, it's so, so cool. much to it. Like, and no one can probably even say for sure. Like, I feel like my theory is all it is is a filtering system for your brain. And I feel like it's anything you think when you're awake during the day, when you go to sleep, it kind of just yeah, melds like all these ideas. Subconscious and all melds and... all those ideas together into one thing to just get it out of your system. I've read that they think that dreams could be part of like evolutionarily wise like it helped people put themselves in situations they might not normally be in it was for like survival. Hmm. Sort of like a, even like a game or something now it puts us in situations where yeah. it helps us problem solving and stuff like that. So Yeah I think I had a dream the other night it's I wish I could remember. I always remember them. If they could they find a morning. recorder or something, yeah. that'd be amazing. I can't remember exactly what happened the next morning, but then a few hours later, it's like, oh wait, what was it again? But I think I was on Survivor. <laughs> I was cast to be on Survivor, but then there was this natural disaster where the whole cast had to work together to like survive for real, and then <laughs> for, somehow it turned into we were at a. The family party at grandma's and there was home invaders and it was us trying to kill them. It's like a weird how things blend together. Yeah, so and like, how is this the same? I don't know, but it was crazy. Every time I dream about Ocean City, I dream like bits and pieces of actual Ocean City and the rest of it are these big dunes like in North Carolina or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's interesting. Pretty wild. Um... Yeah, I I had wrote down oh mentions every other one of his movies. <laughs> Batman Begins, Dark Knight Rises, Insomnia. It's just a solid. I mean, he does deserve it though. He hasn't really made a bad movie. Yeah, Insomnia is like a solid thriller with um, Al Pacino and what's uh, the comedian that died last year? He was Aladdin, the genie in Aladdin, and Mrs. Uh, Dalloway, Robin Williams. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and also following his first movie, just was a solid. movie. But, what else did you watch this week? <laughs> I actually remember this time. I started watching Sherlock. Um, BBC series? Speak of the Devil. <laughs> From the beginning, or had you seen some? Uh, I haven't, I mean, I had heard about it. I might have seen a like, bit or a piece on TV once or twice, but I would never really watched it. I'm two episodes into the first season right now. Mm-hmm. I mostly enjoyed it. I thought I've only seen the very first episode because it's like an hour and a half, three yeah, episodes it's, uh, each. It's like season. four, yeah, three or four episodes. They're like kind of just movies, I yeah. um, I really enjoyed the first episode, but just didn't do enough for me to want to keep going. I think in the second episode, it's a little more built upon. The characters actually seem good for their characters. Love Martin Freeman. Yeah, he's great. 
He and he feels a lot better in the second episode. Yeah, he's a little cool. more comfortable. Nice. I uh, I watched an awesome movie that came out last year called Starred Up. Starred Up, huh? Starred as in S T A R R E D up. Uh, okay. It's a British prison movie. It's about this 19-year-old kid who has been starred up, which means he was too violent for the juvenile facility, so now he has to be put into, like, the big, uh, bad, okay. <laughs> like, fucking ass prison or whatever, <laughs> you know. <coughs> and uh, basically it just, it's a down-to-earth, just drama about his time in there, and there's this class that they have for anger management, I guess, to try to get your shit together. So it's basically just about him trying to fight that and fit in at this prison and get his shit together. <laughs> but at the same time, his dad is in there. He was like a lifer, oh, a lifer in jail. He was never there for him. I think the last time he was around him outside of jail, he was five years old or something. So it's kind of like this thing where he wants to be his own man. But then his dad is kind of trying to yeah, control him. Life. It's a really, really good movie. It sounds pretty interesting. It's really good. Like, you have a hard time understanding him a little bit at times. Yeah. But it's so worth it. Like, you could even put subtitles on. I've actually been watching a lot of movies with subtitles because uh, I, I live in my basement and there's a furnace and then I have a pellet stove and they come on and off. It gets, I'm deaf in my right ear. So, I can hear a lot, but it's the words get mumbled. So sometimes it's when all that stuff's running. If I put captions on, if I can see the word out of the corner of my eye, I can figure out what he's saying. So yeah, it's been making it a little easier for me to watch movies sometimes and actually pay attention. Yeah, but yeah, it's but sort of frustrating too because I like to kind of do things while I'm watching movies, and if I can't read subtitles, sometimes it's hard yeah that's like with foreign movies sometimes I I always will try to give the movie my full attention but with the foreign subtitle movie you're yeah, forced you to you can't take your eyes away yeah even for a second but I, I highly recommend Startup 9 out of 10 for me nice. I, I loved it um, I also watched this movie called Kid Cannabis Alright, what's that about? That's about a kid. I I'd imagine he lives somewhere like upstate New York or along the Canadian border. They say they're, they live a few hundred miles away from the Canadian mm -hmm. border. This is about uh, in the earlier days, maybe in the 90s or so, early 2000s when marijuana wasn't as legal and available as it is now. It's kind of like nerdy kids that didn't really go to college or whatever. They just... They see an opportunity and they just kind of get lucky and they eventually become this really big marijuana distributors, basically. They're going to Canada and buying it from a farm and taking it across the border. But it, it's actually pretty lighthearted for as heavy as the topic seems. Because even there's like a rival drug dealer that's more into the drugs and he's kind of, he's smart, but he's kind of violent. And right. And it's still not very heavy. Like, it's... I don't know. I, I really like... It's an independent movie. The production quality is great for what it is. And it's a pretty good story. The characters are uh, relatable, lovable, and... At least the two main ones. Yeah. And 
Cool. And it's a true story, or at least based off of one. I, I give it a eight and a half out of ten. Nice. Well, I that's the only movies I watched. Um, but I did watch some a lot of TV this past week. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, watched the Mad Men premiere. The final Ooh. seven episodes started. Uh, I gotta watch like the last two of the previous. Oh, you're almost caught up. Yeah. Nice. What do you think? Oh, I like can't it? wait. I I want to wait until I have like full tension. So I'm gonna, I'll probably watch like the last half season and then yeah, get into this one. Honestly, I think it's one of the best TV shows ever made. Yeah, and and it's not so flashy. Different. It's nothing like. Breaking Bad, where it's like, oh my god, this happened. It's just a mood, a feel, a character development. Yeah, and it's so many characters. Yeah, it's just... Like. I just am happy when I'm watching that yeah, show. I, it's I like, really love that show. I just have probably have like a big smile on my face the whole time. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Something about it. I can't even put my finger on it, but the premiere, I mean, good. It was a really good premiere. What can I say? Yeah. Um, really looking forward, but at the same time, I'm kind of sad that it's five or six episodes left. Yeah. I think it's probably a good thing, though. They won't have to get into a position where the show's not interesting anymore. Yeah. I like when shows go out on their own terms. Yeah, me too. Um, I watched Paid in Full, which I've seen a lot of times, so my bad. (laughs) Um... It's also an independent movie. It's got a drug dealer in New York. I'm sensing a theme here. <laughs> uh, it's a, more of a classic-y kind of movie for me. But I, it's a, I give it a 9 out of 10. I'm not going to say much about it. Check it out if you... Alright. <laughs> so on Netflix? Oh, uh, yeah. Cool. Alright. Well, I watched The Better Call Saul Season 1 finale this past Monday. Oh, okay. Um, the finale itself was a good episode. I liked it. Not like a blow you out of the water, go out in a bang finale. It's more of a... Episode 9 was more of that kind of thing. Yeah, and it's then, sort of like Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. and this this episode just seemed like setting up the, the, where the direction of the next season is. Okay, going. that's cool. But the season as a whole, loved it. I liked season 1 of Better Call Saul better than season 1 of Breaking Bad. Nice. So... That's saying a lot. It's a uh, it's a funny show. A good. Show. It's different than Breaking Bad, but yet it has some of the same things that I liked about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to check the show out myself. I've seen the first like three episodes. I yeah. think I'm sure it'll um, hit Netflix at some point. And it's only ten episodes. I've kind of so. fell off on this particular season of shows, just for whatever it reason. Can be hard. I, I don't mind because I like having a whole season ahead of me to catch up on sometimes. Yeah. So yeah. Binge uh, Shameless is another one. I, I love that show, and I haven't Never I watched seen it. the first episode of the new season. I liked it. I just, I don't know. I guess I I've been working on Sundays when I normally was off early and came in and did all that. TV is hard for me. Usually, I'll get all amped up for the first, the premiere, maybe the second episode, and then I kind of like let them build up on a DVR. Then I'll eventually catch up and get pumped for the finale. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's hard week to week because other stuff comes out. Yeah, and like my schedule, I, I was so used to Sunday or even Monday if I had to work that I would catch up. And I'm never off on those two days almost. And you never know what, if I'm going to work a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Yeah. So. 
And then by Thursday, it's like the next episode's about to come out. <laughs> I am glad that season two is going to be 13 episodes instead of just 10. Oh, uh, that's cool. So, looking forward to it. Anything else? Um, I finished a documentary. I think I mentioned it last week. We are king. We, we could be king. About uh, two high schools in Philadelphia that had to merge because of budget cuts. And they were like historic rivals and... It's a real documentary. It, it was pretty good. The beginning's a lot better. It really gets tied up in a nice bow. They they lose the first three. They win the, went out and <laughs> win the championship or nice. whatever. But I don't know. It was an interesting uh, documentary. Nice. Check it out if you get. It's on Netflix. Cool. Good to hear. The only other thing I have is finally finished the Jinx, which was that six part documentary series on HBO about the guy who was accused of killing his wife and two other people. I was talking about it a while. Oh, okay. Um, I think I remember. It ended... I was behind. I think I watched the finale like two weeks after it aired, but awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody's already talked about it. I just want to give my two cents. (laughs) I didn't love the, the series as a whole as much as a lot of people seem to, but that final episode, episode and a half, was pretty crazy really especially the last five minutes it's one of the most intense things I've ever seen um if you like the podcast serial you would enjoy the show uh yeah I loved it nice <laughs> and let's get to pre-judgment pre-judgment <laughs> this is the segment where we pre-judge movies based on their trailers the first movie up is me and Earl and the dying girl which I believe won the grand prize, Palm d'Or, at the Sundance, Sundance Film Festival. Like I had a feeling it was a year. Sundance game. Maybe. Yeah, that seemed to be the one coming out of there that everyone says is a must-see and has a chance at some awards at the end of the year. So I figured let's, let's give this trailer a shot. What did you think? Um, it looked okay. What, hold hey. on, I guess we should say what it was about. Oh, um... A kid... There seems to be a girl who's dying of leukemia, as the title might indicate. Yeah, and then the kid to, like, cheer her up. Yeah, his mom tells him to go over there and be her friend, just to keep her company. And he brings his own friend, and they kind of become you know, a trio of friends. I guess. Yeah, basically what it is. You said it, you think it looks just okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it looked heartfelt and all that. Yeah. Uh, it looks like for the genre that it is probably above average just from gut feeling but uh I wrote down and I think it kind of was an indie Sundancey chick flick and on a better note it's sort of a reverse coming of age movie yeah you know what I mean coming to terms with your death movie yeah I didn't mean the chick flick thing is necessarily a, a bad thing mm-hmm. but just kind of the first impression I had um, and, but like I said of the genre that it seems to be it looks production wise like it's thought out mm-hmm. I mean made. for me when it first started I'm like oh this just seems like so predictable oh yeah the last the come, the friends, trailer, yeah. come friends with the girl that's not, like it's the fault in our stars it's like going to be some typical romance thing but then the second half of the trailer I could kind of see Maybe where it's going to go, where people loved it. Yeah. And it seems like it's going to try to do something a little bit different. 
I can tell it's going to be a tearjerker because it almost got me just from the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's because my wife's pregnant or what. I've been a little, little emotionally invested in things <laughs> more than usual, but uh, I'm looking forward to checking it out. I didn't think it was a movie where I. I saw this trailer and I'm like, man, I've got to see this. Yeah, I don't movie. know if it's on my going to be on my much must watch list, but I'll probably get around to seeing it at some yeah. point. Yeah, similar feelings. And then the the other trailer True we watched, Detective. True Detective season two, just like a minute long teaser for the HBO series, comes back sooner than I thought. June 23rd, I believe, is the oh, premiere. Nice. Summer must be typical release yeah. time, right there. It must be immediately after Game of Thrones ends. No, yeah, it's That's awesome. <laughs> That's a reason for me to, to keep HBO. So Yeah, HBO now will be out by then for something yeah. other than Apple. So And I have an Apple device, so... Um, yeah, but it doesn't do any good to you unless you have Apple TV. No, you can get on your iPhone app. Yeah, but are you going to watch it on your iPhone? I might have to. <laughs> I might buy an Apple TV just for it. Yeah, well, that's what I was reading about. That's kind of the crappy part of the deal right yeah. now. It's only three months, I guess. Yeah, but after that, it'll be on everything. So yeah. I'm pretty psyched about that. <laughs> Absolutely. But that's stupid on them because people are going to pirate the crap out of Game of Thrones still. Probably. They kind of shot themselves on the foot with that deal, I think. But yeah. I think that's a lot to do with it. <laughs> but yeah, True Detective Season 2 trailer. Um, you got Rachel McAdams, Vince Vaughn, Colin Farrell, and um, guy from Friday Night Lights. And John yeah, Carter. I don't know his name, but I recognize him. I know his name, but I can't think of it. <laughs> um, what did you think of this? It looks cool. I, I think it looks Taylor more... Taylor uh, okay. I thought it looked a little more like crimey, like... The first one had this almost supernatural, not literal, but element to it. Mm -hmm. And this one seems more to be about crime, like directly. That's the impression I got from it, at least. Yeah. Like, more like a like It seems a little or, more straightforward. Yeah. Um, first of all, what did you think of True Detective Season 1? I, I haven't put it all together yet. I've watched most of it. I think I've actually seen the last... I can't remember. I, I don't even want to make out a judgment on it. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. I, I loved what I saw of it, but I never got the... Here's the thing, right? It's eight episodes long. First three episodes, I'm like, what is the big deal? This is good. <laughs> I'm liking it. It's But it's kind of slow. I don't really understand why people are going nuts over it, because I was behind. Like yeah. I said, I kind of tend to... Fall behind a little bit. I was behind again. Last 15 minutes of episode four, it's all done in like one long continuous shot. The best scene ever to air on television. Damn. No doubt in my mind. It's an incredible. Like that is when I got hooked. Then episode five was amazing. Episode six was like... The, See, I like skipped an episode half. at some point and then I kind of realized it and then I kind of just lost track of yeah. the show. The second half... From the end of episode four to the end of episode eight was some of the best television I've oh, nice. ever seen. It, it was awesome. So I'm definitely looking forward to this. I like Colin Farrell a lot. I think Vince Vaughn is an interesting choice. I think he's a great bad. Could be a great bad yeah. guy. It seems like comedians can be good yeah. at that kind of That's thing. Because you know? Vince Vaughn's so big, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It can be intimidating. 
Um, yeah, I'm I'm definitely. Where's the setting? Like Reno or something like that? New That's Orleans. Sort of, is it New Orleans? I, th- I don't know. It looked kind of like. I thought I heard deserty, but not quite the desert. And then like, Colin remember. Farrell had like kind of cowboy gear on. That was my best guess. Right. I can't remember. <laughs> I know I. I know the first one's New Orleans. It was that maybe that's what I'm getting yeah. confused with. Yeah. Maybe it's Chicago. It probably it seems like the Midlands are even into like like there's desert like Denver oh. and stuff yeah. like that. But, I know I heard at one point where it is, but I just forgot. But. Yeah. Colin Farrell can be good when he's given the right material. Yeah, he just he's in so many bad movies. Yeah. Not that he's the yeah. issue, but Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so that is pre-judgment day for this week. I have a couple news items. Alright. Daniel Radcliffe is going to star in a Grand Theft Auto movie. Huh. But it's not what you think. It's okay. not a movie with the story of, like, one of the... It's not one of these video games turned into a movie. This is about the creator of Grand Theft Auto and him going through the court system with like violence and video games uh, and all okay. that, so he's he's playing that guy, some That's bald cool. guy I can't remember. His sort name. of like a people versus a, Larry Flint. Yeah, <laughs> modern day people versus Larry yeah. Flint. See, when I first saw the headline, I was like, "Oh my god, this is going <laughs> to be terrible." But then when I heard the, the actual premise, I was like, "Oh, that's kind of interesting, going in a different direction." Yeah, I mean, if they ever made one about the actual game, it'd probably have to be San Andreas because that's the most coherent. But I think that the fact that the title of the movie is going to be Grand Theft Auto, it's going to get a lot of people in there just for that alone. That's probably why. (laughs) But I thought that was interesting. And in bizarre news, Paul Feig is in talks to direct a Play-Doh movie. So they're going to do what they did with Lego. Lego. I mean... How trendy is Hollywood? I, I mean, swear I could to see God. like Gumby. Yeah. But, I don't know. Also, I feel like Paul Feig has been attached to about 30 movies in the past couple <laughs> months. <laughs> I don't understand how he's going to do them all, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, in theaters last weekend, I mean, Fast and Furious 7, or just Furious 7, yeah. dominated. Yeah. Made a. Uh, Ninth best opening weekend of all time, 147 million. Wow. I do not see what people see in these movies. Yeah. Like, I was talking to my friend Rob, and he's like a gearhead, and he's even like, I don't quite understand. Because it's not really, like, interesting to people that actually, like, like cars, cars, like, work on them and stuff. It's, It's interesting to, like, the kid that drives a Nissan that has, like... Uh, like I don't know that much about cars, but like with an intake, like intake just takes in more air. Makes it and louder, like they put something like that on there, makes it louder. They put a they, hole in They the act air. like they tore their car apart, and <laughs> or you just punch a hole in your tailpipe. Yeah, and they basically <laughs> want to put NOS in after that. You know, <laughs> that's who it appeals to. Yeah, but and, yeah, average at best that feels some of the movies. People are, are saying this. It's like the best of the series or one of the best of the series. I'm saying that's not hard to do. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't mean that much to me. Um, I've only seen five and six. Basically, they turned them from the racing movies into like superhero movie, action <laughs> yeah. movies. Uh, F- Fast Five I did not like at all. 
I saw the Tokyo one, and I saw there's I think it's uh two and three or three and four, yeah. and then there's one in like Miami. I mean, I watched them. I watched them a few times actually. Like, <laughs> they're like the type of movie that if it's you're really bored and it's on TV already, you can kind of sit down and finish it because there's nothing else to do. But yeah, they've got there. some pretty cool like cartoonish action set pieces. Yeah, but if you're the plot and all that, it's just yeah, insane. it's like an ongoing Lee plot bad. for the whole thing. It's I don't know. The acting is terrible. The writing, the script is terrible. But it's some cool action. Yeah, it's got cool cars. <laughs> yeah. And apparently that's enough for $150 million. Yep. <laughs> but on Redbox next week, we'll be reviewing A Most Violent Year, starring Oscar Isaac and my girl Jessica Chastain. <laughs> we'll also be reviewing Do the Right Thing to go along with our theme of New York City movies. Movies based or set in New York City. Uh, should be interesting. There's a lot... Of those, New York City is a, the biggest town in the world. A lot of movies take place there. All the uh, yeah, a lot of Woody Allen uh, movies. Yeah. Anyway, should be a lot of fun. Also coming out on Redbox's Night at the Museum, Secret Tomb. I have no interest in that. But the Voices is uh, also coming out with Ryan Reynolds as a serial killer who. His pets talk to him. Like, his dog is, like, the angel on his shoulder and his cat is the devil on his shoulder. I've heard some decent things about it. I might check it out. I might point. check it out. I liked him in that one horror movie. And I'm not... You know I'm not big on horror movies. Yeah. But I thought he did really good in it. Was it Amityville? Yeah, the Amityville horror Yeah, I thought he was pretty good in it. Yeah. Especially yeah. at the time, I don't think he had ever done a role like that. Yeah. So. I feel like Ryan Reynolds... It's not a bad actor. He gets a bad rap. Yeah. He's another guy that doesn't pick the best scripts or the best movies, you know. Yeah. But he can be good when he when he. I love Ann Wilder. Right I'm sorry. It's pretty funny. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> and you can go back and make fun of it now, but it's just kind of like a. I don't know. I got a soft spot. Juvenile humor that just works sometimes. Yeah. It's like people like Animal House, my dad. Yeah. Like older people thought the same thing in that movie. Comedy is so subjective and sometimes it just comes from a guttural place. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't help it. <laughs> Alright, well that'll do it for us this week. Thanks for checking in and listening to us. If you want to give us any insights, questions, comments, you can email us, the Redbox Report at Yahoo.com. Or shout us, tweet at us on uh, Twitter at the Redbox Report. I'm on Twitter at the Oreo Report. I'm on Twitter at the RBR Joel. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. You can catch us on Stitcher and on Letterboxd. I'm at the Oreo Report. So, as always, check you later.